The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Anybody calling in that's got any aches or pains anywhere, um, trying to sort of navigate um, the injury and figure out what's going on, uh, the simplest way that this could all start with is a simple phone call. And the reality is none of these things are by any means unique to any individual, right? Like if you've got back pain, it means there's 80% of the population that's got, it doesn't, not that it means that, but I'm telling you that 80% of the population at some point will have back pain. So it's a, it's a relevant topic overall for the listeners, knee pain, ankle pain. I just was speaking with somebody um, this morning, uh, getting back, uh, getting back outside, playing some basketball, rolled their ankle, um, was told to go get some physio and sort of that that was it, but wanted some advice on particularly what it would entail, what the type of treatment would be. Uh, and I was uh, able to help that individual um, uh, speak to them about uh, uh, the the type of injury, what, what happens with those ankle sprains, what you've got to do, the progression of it. Um, and again, that that I think really the education and empowerment um, around any type of health issue uh, consistently shows up in guidelines, you know, from a from a healthcare perspective, healthcare professionals often try to work based off of the clinical guidelines, like what is the best way to treat somebody and go about things. And, and patient education and empowerment is the number one thing that's always there. Um, it, it really does do an incredible thing when you can give somebody a little bit of the knowledge that they need, uh, you know, once you've come up with whatever the diagnosis is, and then you can educate them on okay, what is this diagnosis? What does it mean? What's the prognosis like, particularly um, to them? You know, that's what they're going to care about most is, is how is it going to affect their lives? Uh, how likely are they to recover from it? And what is the overall progression of this? What stages do you have to go through? Can you get back to doing what you love to do? Anybody that's active, and you'll appreciate this, John, the minute they get hurt, the first thing they want to know is um, – how long until we are, you know, how long until you can get back to what you're doing? And then that's a very important thing because you don't want to, you know, stop doing the things that you love. And that's, that's a big concern. In fact, that's one of the reasons why most people don't take any breaks with these types of injuries uh, is really because they just don't want to stop doing what they love to do. And I get that. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes you do need to take a little bit of a, of a break. And I think it was um, last week we had a call, I forget what the particular concern was, but I was talking to the individual. I, I sort of remember that it was uh, someone who's very active doing something and there's been no rest incorporated. And that's, that's a very, you know, that's a concerning thing because you need to have a period of rest sometimes when you're hurt. Now, the beauty about this, and for anybody who's an active person listening will love to hear this, rest doesn't mean sit on the couch and do nothing. It's not, this isn't 1970 anymore where if you had low back pain, they would tell you to lay in, in bed and, you know, wait a week and don't leave your bed. That actually will make you much worse. Most musculoskeletal injuries, what they're, if, it, if they do require rest, they're going to require active rest. And so the question becomes, well, what is active rest? Active rest is a combination of doing the rehabilitation that you have to do and working back up. And sometimes, you know, John, if you've got a shoulder injury, as an example, there's a lot of other things that you can work on where we can isolate that shoulder and not have that part of the game plan in terms of still being active, looking at the the micro uh, components of whatever 
it is that you're doing and seeing, okay, well, how can we just take that out of the equation right now? Or how can we start to reintroduce it in a modified manner that's graded? Um, That is all very, very important things that uh, most people don't do. A lot of times they don't even get the advice to do it, which is a problem in and of itself. You've got to get that advice. Uh, Someone's got to sit there and tell you, yeah, you know, you've got to be able to, uh, um, to, to, to do something while you, while you're sitting there and trying to recover. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's really, really important for people to understand that, that rest does not mean do nothing. Rest can often mean active rest in these. And, and it's also not for a prolonged period of time. Uh, a lot of the times. And, and, and that is again, something that when you get this message across to somebody who's dealing with this type of thing, they're also a lot more likely to adhere to what you're suggesting, right? They don't like going, most people don't like going somewhere where the health professional is telling them, well, just stop doing whatever you're doing for a month, right? That That's not what most people want to hear um, because, you know, they don't want to stop doing what they're doing and what they love to do. So this is a much, much better approach because it helps the recovery process. It helps the mental health component of being told that you've maybe got to slow down. And, you know, a good example is like what you what you saw with uh, the concussion and the leaf game with John Tavares. Like right. he's out there, he's he's still being active, doing things. Um, and, and that's really the way that we treat everybody as if they were a high level athlete from that perspective where you still want to keep whatever level of fitness that you can during the time of recovery. You know, it's interesting, too, because I think another negative to just, as you say, uh, just rest as opposed to active rest and, and keeping on top of your injury, if you just totally pack it in, whether under your own volition or been told by a professional a professional that doesn't know any better, really, like yourself, um, the problem is you can get too far down that rabbit hole and then getting out of it again, you might be like, ah, screw it, I'm not doing it. Now I've, I've, I've been off so long, now I don't have the, the mental wherewithal to get back on the horse, and that can be deadly as well. So you've got to keep some. You got to keep your foot in the game to some degree even when you're resting and treating an injury, right? Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's a great point that you bring up, um, that you want to you wanna definitely uh, have that rest, but again, do it in a way that works uh, for the individual that's still, again, the the main goal being that you still want the person to recover and you can have the rest, uh, but you don't want to have rest where you're doing nothing because you're absolutely right. It can become a vicious cycle for a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. that have tried to achieve some level of fitness know that it's sort of a mindset, right? Like everything's got to be going right. So, and, and John, you and I are like this, we've talked about it before where, you know, if all of a sudden we're not active, we're not doing the things that we love. It's a lot easier to pick up a bag of chips and eat that at night. It's a lot easier to, um, you know, have that extra uh, piece of meat at dinner. It, it, it just, it, it can be a very, very vicious cycle because again, I think that ties in with the mental health aspect too, where, all of it is connected and, and that is really important. And you're right. You can then start to go down this slope um, where all of a sudden, you know, months can go by and you sit there thinking like, wow, I've sort of lost all the gains that I have made um, simply because I was told to sideline and, and really that's what you want to avoid. You want to avoid that aspect. And that ties in again with that mental health aspect of this all that you want to still be able to do the things that you need to do um, and get back to them as soon as possible. And, and the, the research, again, around that active rest is very, very good. And, and that's really what we encourage. Again, the idea of do nothing with injury is, is a very, very archaic way. 
even with, you know, even when you consider something like, let's say a fracture and you're casted, okay. you know, let, let's say it's your left lower leg. As an example, you got to be in a cast for your left lower leg. Well, that doesn't mean you can't do stuff with other parts of your body, right? Like there are so much, you know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, I really love to run and I try to do interval training because that's what's helped me to lose weight. And I run in order to do it. There's other things that we can work on. There's other, you know, there's ski cables, uh, machines, there's ball slams. There's other ways that you can incorporate that high intensity um, type of training in a different format. There's a lot of things out there. Uh, and, and that is what you really want to encourage people to do. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to baby your leg. You can't really do much with that. And yep. you've got a, you know, fractured leg, so you're not going to go for a run. But how can we still keep you at, at the level of fitness that you'd like to be and doing other things? There's lots of options, lots of options. Quick break, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. That is the number to call here now and ask your uh, your questions about your own personal health. Maybe you're trying to battle back from an injury as well and you're not succeeding or you're, you're going down the wrong path. 416-870-6400, pinpointhealth.ca, the website to go to Dr. Lou's clinics and find one that is active and open, helping people all around your area, pinpointhealth.ca. We'll continue. Pinpoint Health Show, this is Global News Radio. All right, welcome back here. Eleven twenty one pinpoint health show. Reaching out to Doctor Lou one eight five 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 Doctor Lou L O U anytime info at pinpointhealth.ca. And remember to go to pinpointhealth.ca the website for all other links, including social media as well. But here and now, don't be bashful. You have questions. This would be the hour you want to ask about your health. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Bob, thanks for hanging on. Good morning. Hey, Bob. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. In in January, I I had surgery on my left knee to remove a large ganglion cyst, and apparently it knocked out on the, uh, my peroneal nerve. So I've I've ended up with drop foot, and I drive a standard vehicle. So it's a oh. bit difficult. Do you think right. I'll ever recover? Well, that's that's a tough one. I guess my first question would be, have well, you spoken? Hello? I guess my, my, my question is, have you spoken to the surgeon that that did the surgery and what have they said? Uh, I talked to a neurologist. He said it's possible it could recover within a year. Yeah, nerve health takes a long time to regenerate, if if ever at all, um, and and that's a difficult uh, thing. I mean, if the neurologist has recommended that, then the likelihood is that it may be possible. It could take some time. It would also depend on what the type of injury to the nerve was. Obviously, if it was completely severed, then then that's not likely. But if it was some type of a contusion or pressure on it that 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 potentially could recover i mean a good yeah. example that i tell people with nerve issues is anybody that's ever heard uh, um, hit their funny bone can appreciate that nerves uh can sting for a very long time and that's a quick instant where you have this impact and you get this nerve symptom and sometimes it can last for like a minute or two from this very quick second so it, it can take a, a a long time to recover with something like you have going on. But I would say that your safest bet is to go with the opinions of the people that have actually seen you. Uh, and if that's what that they, they believe could happen, then I would work towards that. 
Okay, thank you. No problem. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate that. You have any other questions? Want to reach out uh, any further? One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. So, there, what is uh, what is he mentioned? Drop foot. What is that? Yeah, drop foot is the process of so your foot can dorsiflex and plantar flex, which just means you can bring it up and you can bring it down. Okay. And you have different nerves that obviously control those different movements. Uh, the peroneal nerve, which controls your foot to go upwards. Uh, if there's an issue with it, you can get what's called drop foot, which is the inability to dorsiflex or bring your foot up. And what it causes is uh, this thing called steppage gait, where if you could imagine walking without the ability to lift your foot, you're always just, you know, your foot sort of landing there, stepping uh, and, and, and creating this type of steppage gait. Now, the, you mentioned the nerve thing. Nerves are generally hard, and, and, and they take time to repair. Is there a reason why that is? I mean, we've often heard that if you have severed nerve in your back, if it's severe enough, you'll, you'll be, you, know, you can be crippled. You won't be able to walk ever again. But what's the, uh, what's the reason for that? Biology, I guess. Uh, that, that's a evolution, whatever, whatever we want to call it. For whatever reason, uh, nerves just don't regenerate well, and we see this with like any spinal cord injuries that you alluded to there, John, where they're working towards trying to figure out a way to regenerate nerves. Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's really very, very difficult and we don't really uh, know a good way to help them come back sooner. Uh, and, and this is an ongoing issue with these types of nerve injuries. And, you know, one of the risks around surgery, anytime you're, a surgeon's going in, uh, they're obviously very good, and the chances of it are, are very unlikely. But there is a lot of tissue in the way, and some of that tissue is nerves. And if there's ever a problem, I've also seen people that have had surgery, following the surgery, they have uh, some type of deficit in that nerve, and then very quickly it recovers. So it, it very much depends on the individual situation. 416-870-6400, the number to call in, just like Bob, ask your questions, 416-870-6400, info at pinpointhealth.ca if you want to send an email along. Uh, what else you got to offering up this morning, pal? Where are we going? Yeah, so again, we sort of alluded to spine stuff there, and we, you know, an extreme example being spinal cord injuries, but a much mm. more common issue that happens with the spine is mechanical back pain. Uh, having issues related to muscles, joints, uh, the other soft tissues in that area. Again, I sort of, at the beginning of this show, said that uh, the, the, there's an 80% prevalence in the population of low back pain, which essentially means that any given point, 80% of the population could be experiencing back pain. Or the other way to look at that is you have an 80% chance of experiencing low back pain at some point in your life. And most people listening to the show are probably saying, yeah, I've oh, experienced yeah. it. I, I've had low back pain. You've had low back pain, John. So um, it, it's not uh, something that is uncommon. So what's the, uh, what's the first steps? I mean, if you're suffering for that, which I know there's a large population and it's, it's, it's planet-wide, it's not based on uh, size, you know, race, religion, ethnicity. It's just human being a human what's the first step i mean what because because this can be crippling and debilitating depending on the degree of it i mean it's it's your hinge point your lower back especially what's the first steps with uh, with treating it where do you go that's a good question the first step i guess is 
you know, n- number one, seeing a professional. That I, I would say that that's the, the first step because you've got to figure out not all back pain is equal and not all back pain is just simple mechanical low back pain. So you've got to make sure that you've got the right diagnosis. If you have mechanical low back pain, the next thing that will happen is it depends on the stage of that back pain. So let's say this is a, an acute issue. It just happened a few days ago, the approach to that is very, very different than the approach to if you've had low back pain for 10 years. Yes. In general, what I can tell you is that in the early stages of of low back pain, so acute phases, things that are passive in nature, a lot of the therapies that everyone thinks about, medications, chiropractic, manipulation, physiotherapy, massage therapy, osteopathy, uh, whatever it may be, Passive meaning something that someone else can do to you and, and their particular uh, interventions. Those are much, much better in those acute phases. As you move out of the acute into subacute and chronic, and especially when chronic is anything really over six months, but some people have 10 or 15 years of chronic low back pain. As you move towards that side of the spectrum, really the focus needs to be on those professionals helping you with rehabilitation, exercising, strengthening, stretching, all of those things. So it becomes much more uh, what we call active care, which means the stuff that you are going to be educated to do that you then need to do to yourself. Yeah, I think it's it's tough to really stress the importance when it comes to active care of how much a participant, the actual sufferer of the injury becomes. I know we we we've talked you know many times on the show that we have people where they're they're given a set of say exercises for lack of a better term and they you know they they may be on board and and, and full of gumption for the first couple of weeks and then they kind of go oh, you know it's feeling better so I'm just going to lay off it's taking too much time I'd rather go do this or go do that and here they are they've uh, they've they've opened up this this cavern of problems because they didn't keep up with the active component which again is something you don't find athletes doing that's why they recover so quickly because you know, they're steadfast in their approach to what you've told them to do on a daily, if not weekly basis, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, when it comes to the active care, the, let's take a step back. The, the issue is that once someone is diagnosed with low back pain, people have this underlying assumption that low back pain should be completely cured and that you'll never have it again. And that's not the reality. The minute that you are you experience low back pain, you are almost guaranteed that you're gonna keep experiencing low back pain at different points in your life, at different severities, of course. Not, yep. not everyone ever gets crippling back pain, uh, but it's very likely that it will progress further if the right things are not done. And the, the issue really becomes that because there's this underlying assumption that you know it should just go away and it shouldn't be an issue uh and and people can't appreciate it they they sort of the minute that they feel better from the acute problem they stop doing the things that they need to do and then you know a year later they might experience it again a year after that it experienced it it lasts longer it's more intense and and you fast forward 10 or 15 years and these are the people that might be in chronic low back pain every single day and that often is a function of not having done the proper rehabilitation in the early stages. And so, you know, I could totally appreciate why uh, people feel that way that, you know, okay, I, I feel better, so I don't have to do anything. 
But what I try to tell people is low back pain is analogous to, say, something like diabetes. If you're diagnosed with it, you know that you've got to make lifestyle changes. You've got to change the way you exercise, the way you eat. Maybe you have to be on medication. But it's not necessarily something that will ever absolutely be cured. And even your low back pain, although you may not be feeling it, that doesn't mean that the underlying issue that, that is the mechanical aspect of the back is ever going to go away completely unless you keep on it. And you, the only way you keep on it is with the rehabilitation exercises. That's the way to, uh, that's the way to do it. I'll give you some contact here as we, uh, we continue on to reach out to Dr. Lou anytime info at pinpointhealth.ca, the email one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. That's if you want more of a lengthy uh, private conversation with Dr. Lou or a member of his team. And the clinics, as we uh, say every week, they are open. They are helping people. They're functioning. You know, you know, Don't sit back and let these things fester and get worse. Uh, you want to treat it. Take it from someone like you or I who's been dealing with 30-plus years of lower back pain on and off. You want to get on top of this thing, man, because it's, it's just it's going to be poking at you forever if you don't treat it or at least uh, you know get some active Active therapy, as far as that's concerned, 416-870-6400 is the uh, the way to call in for the remainder of the show. You often, um, when, especially when it comes to low back pain, Dr. Lou, you often caution people about these, uh, you know, these snake oil fixes and stuff you see on TV as well, right? You got to be really cautious of these things. You'll just buy and it's, it's uh, you know, everybody has a, with a hammer, they can, they can hammer in every single nail, right? You got to be, you got to be cautious of that stuff too, right? Absolutely. The miracle cures for low back pain do not exist. I'm just going to be very honest about that. Anybody that's selling you some type of miracle that, hey, if you do this, it'll be gone. That's not what's going to happen. Could it potentially help with a bit of the management of the low back pain that you have? Yeah, potentially. What I see a lot of and this, I guess we probably have to go to break. And so before I go into that topic, um, I think let's divert towards the break and, and then I'll go into sort of the issue with these gimmicks. You got it. We'll do that when we pick it up. And of course, give you some time here, a minute or two to grab a phone, make a phone call. Don't be bashful. Call in. We'd love to talk to you. Live show here at 1134. Still got some time. 416-870-6400. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. 11.37 on a Saturday morning. That's a great plan. 416-870-6400. Call us. Get some answers. Uh, don't be in the dark about your health. Dr. Lou here every weekend to answer those questions. 416-870-6400. Donald, thank you uh, so much for hanging on. Had a short break there. How are you this morning? Not bad. I have a. Uh, I have uh, spoken to Dr. Lou before. I'm a chiropractor and have uh, had a hip uh, femur um uh, fracture and I have a second fracture. I had a fall right on my kneecap and fractured my patella. So it's pretty painful but I can walk with it now with a cane and I have a, a brace that is a longitudinal brace with the straps three above and three below the kneecap and the hole in the in the in the brace. I'm not sure what you call this splint, but it's splint. And it's uh it has given me support that I can walk with a cane. What I wondered is, I'm not sure how this fracture was. I, I know how it happened. It, I fell directly on a concrete floor, and it very hard, and I caught my foot in a, a carpet. And I <clears throat> have uh, a fair amount of pain with it from time to time. And now I want to know 
I understand is that I just don't know which way the fracture was, either vertical or horizontal. So I, I would imagine there's a different way of managing that kind of pain and managing the support. Yeah, so I, I, I so if I understand correctly, you're wondering if the orientation of the fracture affects how the pain is perceived? Well, not how it's perceived, but how it's managed. Oh, I see. Well, have you seen what what has the orthopedic surgeon uh, recommended? I've not seen him other than the first time. I've just been in, in hospital for a short period of time. They sent me to physio at uh, Harbor Point, I think it is, on, near the Don Jail there, where it is in Riverdale. And I was in there for about a week. So this happened two weeks ago on the 13th of May. Right. Yeah, no, I could, I could definitely appreciate what you're going through. I think a lot of it is continuing in my experience when we deal uh, with these types of issues uh, at the clinic level. It's really about um, continuing with the rehabilitation that's being recommended by whoever you're seeing. And over time, um, as, it, uh, as it starts to heal, I mean, the people that have seen you will know better than I would. I don't know enough of the specifics about what the plan of management from the therapy side is, but I would assume it sounds like you're going to a very uh, good place. They would give you the proper recommendations. And a lot of times uh, with these types of issues, it's, it's also a matter of, of patience. Sometimes these, uh, these fractures can take some time to heal and the, and the pain that is uh, associated with it will, will take some time. Let's uh, let's move on, Doctor Lou. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. The way to call in, make that phone call like that. Get some uh, some quick answers anywhere. At least uh, get started on some answers. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. The patella is a kind of a weird thing. It's just kind of floating there in front of the knee joint, right? Is that is that a very tough thing to treat generally? It can be, yeah, for sure. It depends on uh, you know a lot of different things: person's age, level of activity, uh, their body type, right? In terms of you know, uh, uh, you know, some people have more what's called valgus stress on their knees, or some people are heavier set, and so there's more pressure. There's a lot of things, and that's the reality about all different types of injuries. That's why you know, uh, it's it's sometimes hard. I mean, I try to do this show where I answer things very, very generally. And the reason why I answer it generally is I'm trying because I don't know the specifics of the individual um, and everything that goes around with that. And so the, the reality is, yeah, uh, some of these things can be difficult to treat. And then in other cases, they may not be as difficult to treat just because of, you know, the way the fracture might be or uh, the person's level of fitness overall. All of those things matter very, very much. Um, and I think, you know, I think from the perspective, I think what COVID has sort of shown the world um, is is how people, different people can, uh, you know, succumb to different things. And, and, and that's not so unique just with COVID, right? Like we see that in a lot of different things in healthcare where for some people, a certain thing may not almost affect them at all. And then for other things, it could be, you know, life-threatening. We see that with, you know, flus, uh, the regular flu that we we're used to um, where some people, you know, might be exposed to it. They never even develop one symptom. Other people are exposed to it. They develop some symptoms and then other people, some very severe symptoms. And some people, unfortunately, even die from that muscular, all, all stuff in healthcare really works that way. I know people seem to think that it's unique to COVID, but it's not different Mm -hmm. things 
affect us differently. And, and that's no different if we broke it down to low back pain, mechanical low back pain. Some people with mechanical low back pain, it's, you know, a, a, a few times in their lifetime that they experience it. They do something, they feel better. And outside of those few instances, it's not very much. Other people are dealing with it every single day, but managing it. And then there's other people that uh, unfortunately can even become severely crippled as a result of it. So uh, this is very much why individualized medicine matters so much is, is the reality is not just the diagnosis, but who the diagnosis is happening to uh, that healthcare professionals like myself have to take into account uh, is, is what's the reality of that person? What, what is, what, who is the individual? What are, what are the things that have happened in their life that may predispose to poor prognosis. That's what prognosis is. Prognosis is not, uh, prognosis is how likely you, underlying you, are to get better from something. And, and that is very, very individualized uh, because we're all different. We are all different. And that is the, the simple reality of it. Let's grab a quick call before we uh, take a short break. Rose, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yourself? Great. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Well, I've just been trying to figure out for some time over a year. I have lower back pain, but it now it does. It goes down to it. I have pain in my top of my legs, but I didn't know. Um, I don't know where it's actually coming from, and it goes up into my back. And when I'm walking, sometimes I I I don't like. I feel like I'm almost going to fall, so I have to rest. You know. Right. But I do. I I am on oxygen right now. I do have a hernia by my navel, you know, and um, I don't know what could be causing that because I do have belly fat, so. Yeah, so, so what, what's sort of your question? Well, I just wondered what, what should I be doing? Should I be trying to seek out a specialist, like either a rheumatologist or... Well, a rheumatologist will deal with back pain that is a result of inflammatory conditions. Most of the time, that's not the case. Um, I would definitely say that you have to seek out a medical opinion that, you know, could be your family doctor, could be the uh, a chiropractor that you've seen before, whomever, whoever is a primary care provider. But I, I would start there in terms of a specialist, um, you know, that is like a rheumatologist or a spine surgeon, probably not needed well, I shouldn't say probably not needed, but you're not going to be able to jump to that. That will be one of the primary care professionals will have to identify the potential need for that and then would make that referral if necessary. Uh, but I do definitely think that you should get it looked at by a primary care provider uh, for sure, because, again, not all back pain is the same. And, and the assumption that it's just mechanical uh, may not be the right assumption, and but at the same time, you can't assume that it's something else. You've got to get someone to look at it so that they can come up with the right diagnosis because the diagnosis is what's going to uh, determine what the, the plan of management will be. Okay, well, I do have a lot of infl inflammation in my back because I did go to a chiropractor and he told me. Um, also, I've lost three inches in the last 11 years, and I... And the other thing that I was hitting in the back um, was an accident, you know, in a grocery store because they didn't see me and they ran into my back. That's a year ago. And um, I just seem to be getting worse. And I'm very active before. And now it's sort of wearing on everything, you know. 
Yeah, no, I understand. And, and that's unfortunately um, something that I hear all too often where, where people, um, as a result of their low back pain, start to lose a lot of the things that they used to once do, the mobility and all those things. Um, again, the, the reality is, is it's very hard for me to tell you specifically what you can do um, over the radio. You've got to get it looked at. Someone's got to make a plan of management, I could tell you that, you know, when it comes to mechanical low back pain, I don't know if that's what you have, but if it is what you have at this point, really what it needs to be is the, the strengthening of the spine uh, in order to help um, the management of, of the pain. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to look at and, and that that's my point. That's why you've got to see a professional in order to start to look at that and break it down and, st- and give you what the right plan of management should be. And with that, we'll take a short break. Stand by, Jonathan. You're, uh, you're up next. Hang on the phone. We'll get to uh, whatever it is ails you. Try to answer your question. And you have time as well. 416-870-6400 is the way to call through. Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. All right, 1151, back at it. And back to the phone calls. Always our top priority, our uh, listeners and callers. Jonathan, thank you for standing by for a few minutes. How are you? I'm not, I was going to say I'm well, but I guess that isn't entirely true. <laughs> right. What's going on? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I noticed some balding. So I went to my doctor and he prescribed something called finasteride. He said there could be some um, side effects, although the chances are low. But once uh, the medication is stopped, that uh, you'll be fine. I took it back in September. I noticed some side effects. Uh, I stopped. Then I thought I'd try it again. And I started again April 29th and I took it for 22 days. Um, and then I noticed those side effects again, like low libido, um, erectile dysfunction, things of that nature, uh, and then some anxiety as well. So I decided to stop again. Um, I stopped last Friday, so it's been just over a week. And I'm, some of these symptoms are, although starting to get better, still persisting. I'm wondering, like, how long is this going to last? Uh, will, will it go away? Have I, have I ruined, like, my hormonal balance forever? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I will simply say I have no idea. Uh, that's definitely not something um, that, like, I don't deal with, with hair loss um, and the prescription of those medications. So I don't, uh, I'm not aware of them. I'm not aware of the, the potential side effects. Uh, I would say that the best course of action would be uh, to speak to whoever the prescribing physician was, uh, speak with them about what's going on, get their opinion that that I think would be your your best bet. Unfortunately, I can't, uh, I, I can't offer much more in, in, in way of that. But, you know, in, in relation to what Jonathan's saying, of course, not with his specific situation, but I mean, you can take what he's, uh, what he's experiencing, take that over to say, uh, you know, a low back or a knee or with something that's been prescribed to you, either medication or physiotherapy. I mean, once you're, once you're on the program or taking said medication, if you do suffer adverse effects, probably doing what he did is probably the thing to do. Maybe back off and wait and consult someone like yourself or who prescribed it, even if it's a physical activity or some sort of physiotherapy and say, you know, this this may be helping in one regard, but I'm having some pretty bad effects as a result of starting this program, right? You should you should back off yeah. and wait and yeah. get another opinion, correct? Well, and it may not need to be another opinion, but at the very least, the opinion of the person who is working with you. And, and you bring up the example, and we'll focus on the therapy side because that's more of my world. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we see lots of people that you might be treating for, a sprained ankle, as an example, you're treating them for that sprained ankle. And, uh, you know, there are every single intervention, health intervention can have a potential side effect. 
right? Some of them are very mild and, 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 and not bad at all. In the rehab world, in the physical therapy rehab world, most side effects are very, very mild. But the reality is that they still could potentially exist. And one of the things that I try to consistently get across, even on this show, is have the lines of communication open with whomever the professional is. And, and I tell patients this, too, when I see them. You know, you're going to get treatment for this, but make sure you're telling the reality to the person that's doing the treatment. So if you're not feeling better, you know, some, the reality is it, sometimes you develop relationships with people and you might be seeing a therapist and you really like them as a person. You get along from a, a human perspective. Uh, and so you may not want to tell them the truth that, hey, actually, I'm not feeling better because you think it might hurt their feelings. It, yeah. it, you might be insulting them. But that's not what the professional actually cares about. What they actually care about is making sure that you, the patient, are getting better. And the only way to know that is through honest communication. And that, that communication has to go both ways. And, and I tell my patients that I need to hear the reality of their experience. And I'm also going to give them the reality as well. So that if I think, like, as an example, they're not doing the stuff that they should be doing, then I'm going to call them out on it. But it's got to be an open, respectful dialogue. Uh, that's how people get better because the, the, the treating professional, it doesn't matter what the intervention is, um, has to know how it's affecting you, the individual. They, they can't possibly know that without being told that back by you. You know, and it's interesting. You also got a factor, and you've mentioned this on the show as well. There's that, you know, that hurt versus uh, help versus harm type of thing where, I mean, and we liken it to going to the gym and lifting weights. Yeah, the first couple times you squat or do some exercises, like next two days, like, wow, I'm sore. That's good. You're supposed to be because you just worked yeah. a muscle. And there's some of that as well with uh, with physiotherapy as well. I want to try to get uh, Tim in here quickly. Hi, Tim. What say you? Hi. Hi, guys. Uh, with the uh, caller who just phoned in about uh, that hair loss uh, problem. Yeah. And experiencing yeah. low libido, it may not have been the fact that uh, that medication that he was on. More, more or less, it's probably the fact of uh, what his testosterone count is. And uh, I would be going back to his administering uh, GP and uh, getting a total uh, testosterone count done through blood work and kind of seeing where he's in with that if he's experiencing libido uh, issues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good call. Maybe something like that would be hair loss. Kind of know that pretty well. There you go. Final words, but I got about a minute before we uh, we wrap it up. I, I thought there was an actual point to that. So that that is one of those <laughs> dangerous things what just happened. That's one of the things that yeah. I'm always hesitant of on, like even when people talk to other people where everyone believes that they, because of their experience or whatever that they know, or and I'm not necessarily suggesting that that caller's advice was necessarily bad advice, but I think what it was is there shouldn't be assumptions made. And, and that's why I don't throw them out anywhere. Uh, the, it, it really does come down to go back to the treating professional, go back to your family doctor, whoever your primary care is, and tell them. They'll know what to do. They, they often don't need to be told what to do. So, um, yeah, that, that's, you know, we as healthcare professionals, we deal with this all the time where yeah. people come in and say, well, you know, so-and-so who's my friend or my uncle or my aunt or whomever it may be uh, told me that this is what I should do. And it's like, well, sometimes you've got to leave that stuff up to, to the professionals. And uh, I, I think the, the messaging around going back to the treating professional is, is absolutely the right thing. Um, but assuming what it could or could not be, that that's a, a different question. But anyhow, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that ties into sort of the, the final words that, 
uh, of that I would do for this type of for this show today is that uh, at the end of the day, it's got to be individualized. You've got to get yep. yourself checked out by the professionals. Uh, make sure that you're communicating honestly with them, giving them the reality of your issue. Um, if they have to see you again, you've got to give them the reality, the follow-up. Are you doing better? Are you doing worse? Uh, but, you know, again, one thing that I've said for five years on the show, you've got to have the right diagnosis. A professional does that. Once you have the right diagnosis, that is what's going to determine what the treatment plan, what the plan of management is. And that is the, the, the right way to go about it. You, most people... I shouldn't say most people, but one of the issues that we see is most people start in reverse where they just start with the treatment. And and you're going backwards in that regard, in my opinion. What you should be doing is starting from the diagnosis and then moving towards plan of management. And we'll leave it there for another week. Reaching out now that we're done uh, off air, no problem. one 855 doctor Lou. D-R-L-O-U, Dr. Lou. Oh, I mentioned as well the uh, the long-form podcast series, The Lou Down, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you should check that out as well. Some really cool stuff there. And pinpointhealth.ca is the website to book and find a clinic that is uh, open and helping people right now in info at pinpointhealth.ca as well. We'll catch you next weekend. It's Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.